0: And once you have it, go ahead and turn to Acts 15, Continuing our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts, and just to kind of give you a a little background on what we're talking about today or what we're going to focus on, how many of you guys have spent uh, at least some of your life uh, walking or following Jesus trying to discern the will of the Lord for you? or looking for the lord to guide you into some specific direction or will in your life right if you didn't raise your hand you must just still be waking up because that that's a pretty important thing for a believer right we want to know the will of the lord we we want to you know obey we want to follow his perfect in in good pleasing plans for us right so i would say this is kind of a daily thing where we're constantly looking to god to to lead us in some way you know sometimes there's those you know, direct, you know, situations where you're like, Lord, help me, like, like, what do I do in this situation? But in some way or another, we were constantly looking for God to lead us, okay? Now, how many of you experience that God does guide us in quite a few different ways? How many of you guys experienced? there's different ways God guides you in your life, right? Yeah, I can think of uh, some instances where there's multiple ways that God guided me into what he wanted for me, you know, kind of when I was uh, asked if I wanted to um, take over as lead pastor here by our last pastor um, about four and a half years ago. Kind of make a major career change—that was kind of a big deal, right? It was kind of a big decision, and I had a just under a year to kind of seek the Lord for direction and guidance on that. And like, I was just kind of ch- jotting down some different ways. Like, I'm like, how did the Lord like clarify that? Well, I mean, first and foremost, He there were some specific prayers that I was looking for him to answer, and over that course of time, he answered them. One of them was, like, the door never closed. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, Lord, if this is not you, close this door. And that never happened, you know. that That's a prayer I find doing myself often if there's something going where I'm just like, I don't know, Lord. You know, like, just close this door if if it's not supposed to be. Um, another, another way he did it was um, he... Uh, Gave it, uh, gave me confirmation or direction or guidance through other people because there were other people that saw things in me that I didn't even see in myself that were just like, no, I think this is the hand of the Lord. This is like seems right for you. Um, he gave it through <laughs> proving every excuse I had not to wrong in that course of time. I remember going on a mission trip with uh, uh, Carl Salo and Lana Salisbury to Russia. And in that two-week span, there were three or four reasons that I'd put on myself, like, I'm not qualified for this. There's no way I can do this. And he put me in exact situations where, like, those, those excuses were proven for what they were. And by the end of it, I was like, all right, Lord, I give up. I can't, I can't excuse my way out of this. He um, gave it through giving unity with my wife and I. Because there were some things that she was just like, no, I don't think this is the Lord at all like I don't think this is what he's called you to do like you've never had this desire and over the course of that eight months I saw him change her heart mind to the point where she was like no I can't I can't say that this this is obviously the Lord doing this you know And, and it was important for me to have that unity it was another answer to prayer he gave it to me through his word just through that time as I was going through the word specific like direction through his word just showing me things in the context of what I was praying about and then he also gave it to me by helping me see blatant attempts from the enemy to get me to go in a different direction. I, I have told this story before, but I remember when we were having this meeting as elders and elders' wives where our, our pastor Jason was going to tell everyone like the, like the that I was going to replace him. Um, we're, we're at the beginning of this. We're having dinner at one of the elders' houses, and I get this phone call. I don't recognize the number but it was like a, it was an ODOT number because I worked for ODOT. So I'm like, oh, I better take it. It's a work 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 call. So I go in the bathroom and there's this guy who I work with and he had caught in wind that I was planning on leaving because I'd put in my note, notice in like a month before. And he's like, I had no idea you wanted to leave the company, you know, like or you were willing to leave ODOT. Here, I run a side business and here's the thing. He's like, I'll pay you whatever you want. You just name the number and you come work for me, you know? And it was kind of just, for me, it was like this blatant, like, like, here's the boat to Tarshish, if you guys know the story of Jonah. And I was thought for what it was, and I was like, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, no! I'm like, no. And so, I, I, there's just, like, right there in that example, like seven different ways the Lord kind of guided me into um, his will for what he wanted me to do. And I'm kind of pointing this out because, like I said in the beginning, this is something that applies to all of us. I know it's important because, like, quite a few of, like, when somebody comes to me for counsel or they're looking for wisdom, in some way or another, it's because they're looking for guidance in something in their life. And so this is something that applies to all of us. And in this section of Scripture today, we're going to be in Acts 15. We're going to kind of actually go back over the section we went through last week and then continue on through the end of the chapter Because in this section of scripture, we see a great, we see many, more than a couple, great examples of how the Lord guides us into his will. As his people were seeking him about something specific, right? About like this theological thing they were discussing. And we see him kind of lead them into the answer for that. And we also see him lead them into the specific direction he had for a couple different believers in this section. So we're going to go through that. And I'm going to just point these out. It's going to be more of a practical study. Six points. So if you're a note taker, you can write those six things down, but six points on how the Lord guides us into his will. So let me pray. And then we'll start in verse 22. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, this we, we love your word because it is so practical to our lives, Lord. We know that there's one meaning, but there's often so many different applications depending on what's going on in our lives. and And this is a big deal to us that we know what it is you have for us so that we can experience the happiness you intend. You've told us in your word that there will always be blessing with obedience. And so we, we don't want to miss out on that. We'd be crazy to. But I know that for me, even though I know that you want to lead me, you, you are talking to me, you're actively guiding me in my life, I can just be somebody that doesn't listen or doesn't hear clearly or doubt what it is I think you're saying so often. So when your word gives us these examples of how you've led your people, we know that they're there for us too to learn from so that we're more in tune, that we are listening and we're not doubting when you're telling us what to do in our lives. And there's many different ways you do that. So Lord, I pray that, specifically for today if there's people in here that are right in this now like looking for guidance this would be an encouragement to them and they'd be able to hear and see you lead them into whatever it is they're seeking and for those of us that maybe have heard from you on something but kind of doubted it this would be a a reaffirmation that no this is the will of the lord this is the voice of the lord for me in jesus name amen All right, so starting in verse 22, it says, Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders. Just background really quick. If you're new visiting us today, we're going through Acts. And what happened here was we had a bunch of Jewish believers come to the church in Antioch, which was a church mixed with Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And they were trying to tell them that, hey, you're not saved by faith in Jesus and faith in Jesus alone. You have to follow the law. You have to be circumcised. And so there's this big discussion that comes about because of that, because you have the Jewish believers saying it was works or the law plus believing in Jesus. You had the Gentile believers that were saying, no, it's just believing in Jesus. That's what we've been taught. Paul and Barnabas were preaching that. And then they have a big they go back to the mothership, the church in Jerusalem. They're having discussion about about this with the church leadership, and they come to this conclusion, no, it's it's faith and faith alone. It's by God's grace. You know, this God's revealed this to us. This is what his word has told us. And they're sending this message back to the believers in Antioch to tell them, no, 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 you're saved, all right? Just it's through belief in Jesus, faith in Jesus. All right, so it says in verse 22, then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church, this is Jerusalem church, to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, And they sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us having come to one accord. So there in verse 25 i'm going to give you the first way that god guides his people into his will for them and that is god guides through unity amongst his people number one god guides us through unity amongst his people all the believers in the jerusalem church that were discussing this matter of how one is truly saved according to verse 25 they came to one accord or basically they all came to the same conclusion based off of what was shared with them by Peter, who shared what God had revealed to him, and what was shared through the testimonies of Paul and Barnabas, and then ultimately the deciding factor, the nail in the coffin was what um, James shared from the word of God. But they all came to this conclusion based off of what everyone was sharing about this matter they were discussing. And it made me think how when we have questions about, you know, maybe doctrinal, or theological issues like they're discussing here, or just your everyday life, practical Christian living, kind of like the advice they gave them about refraining from immorality and and, and, and stuff sacrificed to idols because it caused Jews to stumble. Just your practical everyday life, the decisions you make. Should I do this? Should I do that? When you're looking for advice for those things, you have your church family to go to. Your brothers and sisters in Christ to see what they have to say about it. Man, it troubles me sometimes how we can be quick to look to worldly wisdom when we need advice. Books written by people that aren't, they, they don't know truth because they're not saved. Or, you know, like, you know, the million other resources on the internet, whatever it is, but it's worldly Wisdom. That's not what governs us, right? That's why one of the reasons why we came to faith in Jesus Christ, because the only thing, and you should know this, especially over the last couple of years, all right, when you watch the media, because who knows what's real? You've got multiple sides saying this is truth, and it, it, you just don't know, right? You can't substantiate any of it. This right here, like Jesus said, this is truth. Your word is truth. This is the only thing we can be absolutely 100% sure of, right? So any wisdom we're looking should be from people that believe that this, is truth, right? So you have your brothers and sisters to go to for wisdom and you have your church leadership, right? And true wisdom, which is always going to line up with God's word, it's never going to contradict anything we know to be true in here, all right? But true wisdom is often going to be found where there's unity amongst his people in what he has to say about the matter, all right? Proverbs 15, 22 tells us Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Or basically, you guys might have heard another translation that says, Wisdom comes from a multitude of counselors, right? Have you guys experienced that in your life? You go and get advice, or you're talking about, you know, biblical things, and you... Pick people's brains. You know, believers like that you see as mature. They want to follow Jesus. They know the words. So you're talking to them. And you start to see this pattern of like, well, they're saying the same thing. They're saying the same thing. They're saying the same thing. That's wisdom. Or maybe it's even a practical thing. You know, like, well, I don't know. Should I marry this person or not? This Or should I take this job? And you, and you seek counsel. Here's the thing you don't want to do. Don't just go to the person that you know is going to say what you want to hear go to the person that you know is going to say what you need to hear all right and then go to someone else see if there's if there's especially when it's not black and white in scripture see if there's a a, 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 a like I said a unity amongst the people you're talking to where it's like yeah this 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 is good and right according to the word or this this is what the it seems like the Lord wants you to do in this situation I remember when I first came to this church, I wasn't, I was younger, my faith, I hadn't really thought about like, you know, the deeper theological things or maybe the things that are more debated. It's just like, I, I, I don't really care about that. You know, I'm just happy I'm saved or whatnot. And I came here and started getting interested in, in some of these, you know, debated theological issues, maybe gifts of the spirit, maybe in time stuff, you know, whatever it might be. But as I sat under verse by verse teaching by the word, with the word and I learned to read and study it myself and I discussed these things with brothers and sisters and I saw this unity in, in, in what we were seeing the word said, it solidified my theology. All right? And so again, whether it's just like biblical stuff or just practical stuff in your life. Go get counsel from your brothers and sisters or those spiritual leaders God's put in your life and look for unity in the answer. And that's almost 100% of the time gonna be what God is leading you or guiding you into his will. Amen? So that's the first thing. God guides through unity amongst his people, just like we see here, okay? Then it goes on to say, this verse 25, "Is it seem good to us having come to one accord to choose men... And send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas who themselves will tell you the same things by the word of mouth. These Judas and Silas also being some sort of leadership in the church. Basically they pointed that out before when they were saying that they sent them. Okay, So second thing I want to point out is God guides through gifted men and women in the church. Number two, God guides through gifted men and women in the church. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So, God has given... The church, that being everyone here, men and women that he specifically have gifted for the purpose of equipping you and spiritually strengthening you so you're able to know and accomplish his will in your life, all right? So it's of our benefit to hang around such people and listen to what they have to say. It's the wise and mature believer that comes to every Bible study, on every Sunday service, every church gathering with other believers are are present, expecting and listening to see if the Lord has something to say to them as the word of God is being shared or in or through other believers as they're just, you know, encouraging them. And that applies to everyone, including me. Every time I go to a Bible study, every time, you know, where I'm not teaching it, every time we have a guest teacher, or I'm meeting with another brother or another sister in Christ, or you know, like after this service, me, Michael, and Stephen, we've been blessed to go away to a pastor's conference. Like every time I'm I'm going where I'm looking to be fed, looking to hear from the Lord. I'm expectant and listening for what the Lord has to say to me. As I pointed out last week. These Jewish believers that kind of came with this wrong assumption and how one's truly saved, they were wrong, but they weren't arrogant about it. What did it, it said? Remember, we pointed out that it says they were they listened and they were quiet when when the other believers were pointing out to them why they were wrong. They were basically teachable. They were looking to hear from God. They just didn't think that they they were completely right. They were open to hearing what God had to say on the matter. And they came to one accord with everyone else as they heard through these, these teachers, these apostles that the Lord had raised up speak truth to them. They're like, yeah, that's right. We don't want to suffer from what I call spiritual arrogance where... We think somehow that we've arrived and there's nothing else for us to learn. Or, or, you know, I don't need to be taught that. I've already read the whole Bible multiple times. There's nothing you could possibly teach me. Here's the thing. That in itself shows a very immature understanding of God's word. Because God's word does have one meaning. But it has multiple applications for you depending on what's going on in your life. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is living in active It's like written in the present tense, which means that God is always wanting to speak to you through his word at any given time. All right? Whether that's through me up here teaching it or a brother or sister sharing it with you. Always. We should always be learning. If we're not learning, if we're not hearing from, that's something with us that we need to check and make sure we're right with God. Amen? Amen? So look to those people that God has put in your life as part of your church family that are those gifted people that he has put there to strengthen and equip you. And just to make this clear, I can say this because my wife's not in there. She's back there blessing the kids. And you guys can pass this on to her because I often tell her that I am a gift to her from the Lord. That is theologically sound, okay? That is what it says right here. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) All right. I might get in trouble for that, but just just saying what the word says. It also says early in the Old Testament that you're to do everything Sarah says, so I listened to that one too. Um, Verse 28. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled. And from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So the third thing I want you to point out here is God guides as the Holy Spirit speaks through his people. Okay? God guides as the Holy Spirit speaks through his people. Now, earlier in this chapter, the believers start out in a place of much debate. Back in verse 7, if you guys have been tracking with us, right? But then Peter stands up. He shares what God had revealed to him about how somebody's truly saved. Then Paul and Barnabas get up and they share their testimonies of seeing all these people believe in Jesus and Jesus alone and get saved. The Holy Spirit come upon them. And then James shares directly from the word of God, as as pointing out this was always God's plan to save the Gentiles. This is nothing new. All right. So through those, at some point during all of them sharing that, they all come to one accord. All their minds are brought to the same conclusion, okay? And they acknowledge it in verse 28 as a work of the Holy Spirit, which we see all through the book of Acts. When when we, the Holy Spirit's moving, you see unity in the church, okay? When the focus is on the Lord, there's unity in the church. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what they say there in verse 28. Seem good to the Holy Spirit. And the same's true for us. You've probably experienced where maybe you're discussing something with another believer, like, again, maybe a theological issue like this, or maybe just life, something going on in your life. And as you're talking, maybe even it's like a, 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 something you're, you're debating or, you know, like in a, in some sort of discussion about where you disagree and somebody shares a passage from scripture or a verse, and it just resonates in your soul. Like, no, that that's truth. Right there. That, that's the answer to what we're talking about. That's the answer for me. Or maybe you're just talking to somebody and they share a specific word with you regarding your situation that you instantly know. This is wisdom from the Lord. That's exactly what I needed to hear in this situation that I'm in. Because it doesn't contradict God's word, but it actually encompasses everything you know about God's character and the principles that you know from his word. I can think of this one time where... I was up here early on um, after taking over as lead pastor and, um, you know, it was kind of a going through just some rough things. So there, there was a lot of things that I would say I believed in my head theologically, but God has to often teach you those things so you can practically live in those truths. And one of those was that, you know, God gives us a specific identity, each one of us. Um, we have an identity in, in Jesus, but there's a specific identity. He's made you for specific things. He's gifted you in specific things. And we spend a lot of our time looking for our identity before we're saved in other things, and we never find it. That's one of the reasons to come to Jesus, because he's given you an identity. You can know you're loved, you can be confident in it, and you're not expected to be like anyone else. See, we, we often compare ourselves to everyone else, right? We compare ourselves to other spouses, we compare ourselves to other moms and dads, we compare ourselves to other people in the workplace, and it just leaves us in a place of discouragement. And God's like, no, no, don't do that. Just follow me, focus on me, what I have you. And so early on, I, I remember like struggling with like trying to live up to the expectations of my pastor. And I said something from the pulpit of like, yeah, it's difficult trying to be in someone else's shoes. And somebody wrote me this this email like message where I got done with the sermon and, and got home and I'm looking at this message they wrote me. And it was a word of encouragement, but it was just like, You're not supposed to fill anyone's shoes but your own shoes. And I knew that in my head, but I was not living it in in that moment in my life. And I was really discouraged because of it. And as I read that, it was like it was the word of the Lord for me. Like it was like, oh, you're right. And it changed like it was a drastic change from that point on because it was like, just be who I made you to be. Just be the genuine Chris. Don't try to be anything else. And it actually made this whole thing a lot funner when I wasn't trying to be someone that I wasn't created to be and just be who the Lord wanted me to be. But it was a word of wisdom, right? And I knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking through that person that led me into that guidance that I needed to successfully move forward in what the God had for me. And Jesus tells us himself, this is what the Holy Spirit does. In John 16, 13, he says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. See, you have the word of God, which is all truth, but you need help being guided into how to practically use this in your life, how to understand it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit guides you into, like, this is how it applies to you. This is how it applies to you. And this being another reason why we should always be watching and listening for the Lord to speak to us whenever we gather with other believers Whenever we're sitting under the teaching of the word, as, as the Lord might just be wanting to speak to you on something specific, as the Holy Spirit speaks to that person. Amen? Amen. So that's the third thing, all right? God guides as the Holy Spirit speaks through his people. It goes on to verse 30, and it says, So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter to, And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So, fourth thing I want you to point out, we see it here in verse 34. God guides through personal desires he gives you. Fourth thing. God guides through personal desires he gives you. As we see here, Silas had this desire to remain with the believers in Antioch, doing ministry there for the Lord. Philippians 2, 13 tells us, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's a life verse right there. Remember that. The desires you have inside of you to do things are not accidental. They are from the Lord. And then the great thing is he empowers you to carry those out in your life. All right? So if you have a desire for a specific thing in your life. Or a specific work. A specific like, like ministering to certain people. Whatever it might be. Chances are the Lord is the one that gave you that desire. And again, these desires are never going to be contradictory to God's word. If if you have a desire or a feeling to do something that God's word says not to, that's not the Lord giving you that. That's the enemy or your flesh. So we need to know the word to discern and hold those up. But here's the thing. If you've got a desire to do something that you know is right according to God's word, right according to his character, is there a good reason not to prayerfully pursue that in your life? I've come to this point because... I'm really good at talking myself out of like the Lord talking to me. I can't be you. I don't know, Lord. Or like, a, you know, overthinking things. But I've gotten to this point after following Jesus for 20 plus years of like, if I sense the Lord's telling me to do something that I know lines up with his word, what good reason is there not to do it? And and so um, I, I I often hear from brothers and sisters of things they think, like, I I think we should do this, or I, I think that, you know, like, this would be a great ministry opportunity. Maybe it's like, you know, for a specific need in the community, like, man, it just burdens me. The, the, the homeless, you know, there's something that needs to be done there. Or, you know, for a specific people group, you know, like, man, I just have a real burden for this country or these people. Um, or I see, you know, like a, a need for maintenance around the church or for, you know, people's homes in the church, like older people that can't take care of their yards. I see this, and what my encouragement to them is that, man, that's probably the Lord giving you that desire. And you should pursue him prayerfully and what he wants you to do specifically regarding that. Sometimes we can kind of like, just like generally think like, okay, I have this burden and, you know, you know, I need a bunch of other people to do it with me or, or, or like kind of like try to pawn it off. I know my kids do that a lot. I look at my kids you know, like, and in, in that's my relationship with the Lord. But like I was telling one of them the other day, hey, go pick up the dog poop in the backyard. And the first thing he says is like, hey, Benny, do this. Or like, that's not the one I was talking to. He pawns it off his brother. Go, dad says, go pick. Th-. I didn't tell him. I told you. Because that's what you're gifted in. Go do it. I know you'll be blessed. <laughs> that argument falls apart there. But see, God does know you'll be blessed. Okay, God, God, God. <laughs> God knows you'll be blessed, all right? There's no such thing as a crappy job with him, all right? It's, it's all, you're gifted for it. So, I mean, we don't want to pawn it off to other people, and maybe it, it will involve other people, but, you know, the thing is, we're, we're responsible for our own walk with the Lord. So if we sense the Lord's giving a desire to us, my encouragement is always just prayerfully seek the Lord on it, and if it's truly from the Lord, you're not going to have to struggle. You're not going to have to force yourself to, to do it or 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 kind of make it happen. I, I live and die by this verse in First Thessalonians 5.24 where it says, He who calls you its faithful, he will surely do it. If the Lord is telling you to do it, it will happen. All right? He's going to give you the desire and then he's going to empower you to carry it out. All right? And while we're on this topic about desires, the one thing I want to point out too that there's no such thing as like, a ministry that you're meant to, like, like be, like, like, dread or hate. That's really bad theology, because if you know God's word and you know his character, he does not want you to be miserable, okay? Now, the reality is sometimes I can make myself miserable because I have this thing called flesh that doesn't like to be put in uncomfortable situations, that would rather things be easy and kind of laid out for me. So, like, there's a teaching that's happening so that I come to this place of looking at things from the right perspective and I'm submitted to God. And, and when I am, then then I see them for the right reasons. I see that, oh, I am, you have gifted me this. This is something that brings me joy. This is something I get to be a part of and I enjoy it. But having said that, it's not like God is going to ever put you in something that he wants you miserable in. It's a, It's the opposite. He knows what he's made you for And He knows where you're going to be most satisfied and He's going to be most glorified. And that's why He wants you there. Amen? And that's the right way to look at things. And when we get to that place of being surrendered, of being submitted, of understanding that, hey, you know what? God actually probably knows better than I do. So I better just listen and obey. Then you'll see that His will is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's what Paul talks about in Romans 12, 1 through 2. He says that, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. It's another way of saying don't follow your flesh, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing and perfect. If we can get to that point of surrendering our lives over to him. Because you've really been sanctified. You've really been made a living sacrifice. So might as well just give your life to him. And then he'll be able to lead you into that perfect, good, and pleasing will. And you'll see it for what it is. Amen? All right. Verse 36. And it says, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So Paul's wondering how these believers during their first missionary journey are doing. And he's like, we should go check up on them. We should go and encourage them and and build them up. You know, make sure they're doing all right in their faith. And here lies another way God guides us into his will for us. And that's number five. God guides through the concern and compassion he gives us for others, God guides through the concern and compassion He gives us for others. Some of you have experienced where you hear about a situation or a need, or you see someone like you see like somebody that's hurting or whatnot, and you have this burden for them. And I'd say, like, yeah, we should feel compassion when we see people hurting, when we see needs. We should we should want to help, but the reality is we can't help everyone. We can't do everything. But there are things that specifically the Lord Wants you to do. There are people he wants you to help. And often what I've recognized that is is it's a burden that doesn't go away. It's like I really care about this. And you might be the only one. And it's not because other people are uncompassionate or uncaring. It's just that God has given you that burden because He wants you to do something with it, right? We're not expected to do everything. But there are specific things. And those are the things that God thinks. Often tell people there's a lot of good ideas. But what are the God ideas? That's what we really care, should care about. That's what we're trying to discern in, in learning the wills of the Lord, right? And I see this a hundred percent of the time with missionaries because basically God gives them a deep compassion for you know a group of people somewhere and they just can't shake it. And it's like, a, like it's like they can't help but do something, you know whatever that might be, but it leads them in that direction. And I would say it's the same with me being a pastor, as the Lord's given me a great compassion, first for the people in this church, seeing that you guys are blessed in your relationship with Jesus, and then for the people in this community, that I didn't even, you know, I wasn't born here, and I wouldn't say when I first got here that I had the compassion that I have right now or the care for it, but over time, God, like, weave that into me because I believe 100%, and it's important that you love who you're ministering to. That's what drives you, Amen. And God puts that compassion into you so that it'll drive you into enduring and being faithful with what he has for you to do. Amen? So if you have a burden or a compassion for people, again, you should prayerfully pursue it. Because most likely, God is the one that's put that in there for a specific reason because he has something for you to do. I was explaining this on Thursday. If you guys were here or you watched online... Um, our night where we were focusing our Sikh night on praying for the Ukraine. I was explaining how like, I've got like this burden for that. That's like, uh, of course, I see people hurting. I see destruction of war. We have compassion towards that, but it's more than that. It's like, like this, this, this thing, this, this underlying feeling, like I got to do something. And right now that's praying or financially giving. But it's like, in my mind, it's like, there's something more. You know, and I'm praying, like, you know, checking with all my pastor friends and stuff, if there's opportunities to go over there and actually help and serve. With all these people that are fleeing, all the refugees and stuff, there's just overwhelming need. But I'm just learning, like, I've learned that when there's that burden there, that compassion, it's like we need to follow that. We need to pray for the Lord to kind of lead us into, like, what what is it you want me to do with this, Lord? Amen? All right. It goes on in verse 37. It says, now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in P- Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the wor- uh, to the work. So if you remember, back in Acts 13, 13, they're on their first missionary journey, and at that point, John Mark was with, with them, and then he decides to leave. He decides not to continue going with Paul and Barnabas, all right? Um, and Paul here appears to think like, well... You know, he wasn't faithful before. So I don't think we want to bring this guy on another trip, you know, because what happens if he bails on us again? But Barnabas was more of the opinion of like, well, let's give him another chance. You know, yeah, he might have left before, but so what? You know, it's like, give him a second chance. Maybe he'll do better this time. And it says in verse 39, there arose a sharp disagreement, or basically an argument between Paul and Barnabas, so that they separated from each other. So that disagreement leads to them actually dividing Over this issue and whereas the argument or division over the theological question they were debating at the beginning of this chapter that was justifiable that was a essential black and white principle of scripture this doesn't seem like it would be justifiable to divide over right because really it's just a personal preference on ministry you know on how best to serve the lord there's no black and white answer to this and I would speculate that maybe they were both right and wrong to some degree, which is often the case when there's division in the church over non-essential issues. As Paul's main concern is basically, what can John do for God's work? What, what, what is he going to do? You know, that's what I'm most concerned with. The guy might not, he might flake out and then we're stuck again without, you know, a third person or somebody else we need. Whereas Barnabas' main concern was, well, what can God's work do for him? Maybe if we give him a chance to come back and, and redeem himself, you know, God can do work. He can teach him some endurance. He can teach him faithfulness, right? So neither one of those are really wrong. But if they were truly being led by the Holy Spirit, they'd have at least been able to agree to disagree with their personal opinions, understanding that, as I've said this before, unity does not have to equal uniformity, Right? You can still have your personal opinion on how to do ministry best and still be united and not divided. And so as such, it says Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commanded by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening The churches, so Paul and Barnabas, they end up going their separate ways in different directions with different men, but still going out to serve the Lord. And I don't know how much this, like this friction that was between them, I I would speculate, it it doesn't say, but I would speculate it didn't last probably too long because Jesus commands us to resolve issues we would have with people before we do any personal ministry to him in Matthew 5, 23 through 24. So I would hope that they would kind of you know squash whatever differences they had i know that for we know for a fact that paul at some point got on good graces with john mark because he actually as he's sitting there in a roman prison at the end of his life in second timothy 4 11, john marks the guy he calls for he's like call him i want him to come help me so there is reconciliation there but here's the thing i want to point out even in their mistake God, no doubt, used this bad situation for his good because it created two fruitful avenues of ministry where double the amount of people were blessed. Amen? And that right there is the sixth and final way God sometimes, even though I'm going to front-load and say this isn't the preferable way, but sometimes God guides us into his will, and that is God guides through conflict with others. Let me repeat that. God guides through conflict with others. Now... Again, this is not the preferred way God would want to guide us in our lives. It's much better to hear his direction through the word or through a brother, a sister, or a teacher and and go right into it. But if I'm being completely honest with you guys, like I said, I can be hard of hearing a lot. I can be so focused on everything else. I'm not listening or I can be so, in a sense, set on my ways that I'm not hearing what he's saying because I don't want to hear it. And I wish that wasn't the case, but for somebody that's very much a work in progress until Jesus comes back to get me or I go to be with him, that's the reality for every single one of us, right? We wish we were hearing all the time and listening or obeying, but we don't do it all the time. And sometimes, again, through conflict with people, God can use that to get you going in the right direction, but here's the thing, I take comfort in this passage because what it shows me is even in my mistakes, God's bigger than those mistakes. Even if I'm not acting the way I should, God can still use that to glorify himself. Amen? And, and here's the thing is, I know for a fact, because I meet with you guys and stuff, that there's some of you that have ended up in this church because of conflict you've had with other people at other churches. Maybe it was through a disagreement uh, on theology or philosophy of ministry or practical Christian living. Again, I'm not saying that this is the desired way, God. He doesn't want us just to bounce when we have a disagreement with somebody. But here's the thing. Maybe you had that sharp disagreement, just like Paul and Barnabas, and that led to you leaving and it led you to come here. But now you're in a season of healing and fruitfulness. Amen? And you leaving didn't in any means stop the work of the Lord back there. It just gave opportunity the thing when god's doing the work which he is in case you didn't know this it doesn't stop when we stop or when we leave it just picks it gives someone else the opportunity to keep going amen so it didn't stop the work of the lord and hopefully it even allowed the lord to teach you and those involved at the last church some things about how to handle conflict in a healthier way but all that to say is even in that god used it he still wants to use it to bless his people amen and that is a way that he does guide us through that. So, six ways. Six ways God guides us. And I would say that there's many, many more. But in this great example in Scripture, we see six ways that he does, he guides us. So, as the worship team comes back up here, and we go to our response time, which, by the way, Samuel, I'm done early. It, I told him that I had six points. He's like, oh, great. And. But what's clear in this section, and really all throughout God's word, is that God is actively wanting to lead and guide us in his life. There's no question about that, all right? When I hear somebody saying, I don't know, I don't think he wants to talk to me. No, no, no. He wants to talk to you. He is talking to you. That's never, ever the question. It's kind of like with my kids, when they don't do what I tell them to do, it's not because I'm not telling them what to do. Rest assured, I am always telling my kids what to do because I only want good things for them and I want them to learn that my voice will lead to good things. So I'm always trying to guide them. But if they're not in my will, if they're not going the direction that I'm trying to guide them in, it's a one and two reasons. Number one, they're not listening. That does happen. That's why you have to repeat three or four times. like what are you listening no so they're either not listening or they're choosing to disobey they're hearing what i'm saying and they're choosing but my boys they're perfect they never did not uh, i won't call them out but it's one of those two reasons all right they're either not listening or they're choosing to disobey and that's the same with us it's not that god is not speaking to you he's actively always trying to speak and guide us but we're either not listening or we're not obeying, and here's the reason why we want to do both of those. Because Jesus says in Luke eleven twenty eight, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God or listen and put it into practice. It's not all. It's not you're blessed if you listen and then kind of go out that door and never do it. It's not if you just obey, but you you really aren't going off of your, any direction you're getting, you're just doing something to do it, kind of more like a religious thing. It's both. It's when you hear God guide you or direct you, and then you obey. That's when you experience the happiness God intends, that fullness of joy, those pleasures forevermore, that overfilling cup, that abundant life. That's when we experience it. And so we always want to be like, in a sense, like I said, actively looking for God to speak to us. When we gather, when we're at home church, when we're hanging out, having dinner with other believers, it's something that I try to be really intentional to make sure I'm doing because I know that my tendency is not to do it unless I'm aware of it. What are you going to say to me today, Lord? I got my Bible open. Oh, I'm meeting with this guy today. You know, like, what is it you want to encourage me in? And that makes all the difference. Because you're tuning God in instead of tuning him out. And then when you believe you've heard from the Lord, again, this is something that I'm still learning, But, and you know that, well, there's no reason to doubt this. This lines up with God's word. There's, It's not against him or whatever. Don't talk yourself out of it. <laughs> Just do it. Follow. Lead. Again, not trying to force nothing. If it doesn't happen, it's not the Lord. But you move forward. And then God just keeps having a way of like laying the path in front of you. Amen? So during this last worship song, let's just seek the Lord. Let's listen. Maybe he's already told you today. Maybe some of those things like you're, you're just like, I have a desire. I have this compassion for this person or these people or for this thing. It's like and and. I need to just, I need to prayerfully seek the Lord on that. I need to move forward as God allows. So bring that before him right now. Come up, we'll have our prayer team around. Get prayer with your brothers and sisters so we can pray with you on that thing. But let's just be people like Jesus said, that hear and obey, that we're listening and we obey so we can experience that blessedness God intends for us. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much that you are so actively involved in our lives. I was just back in the prayer room. I was remembering how lost I was without you. I really, I know that in my flesh, I thought I was directing myself, but it was horrible directions. I really was directionless. I had no compass. I mean, without your word, without you, your Holy Spirit to guide me in it, I had no way of knowing what was good and bad, no way of what was right and wrong. I was lost, but then you found me. And, and it's not like you just saved me to continue to be lost. You gave me direction. You gave me truth, real truth to know. That I could always rely on, that I could always be confident. In. And then you personally gave me yourself, your Holy Spirit, to lead me into that truth. To lead me on that path where I would experience a fullness of joy pleasures forevermore. And Lord, we all want to be in that that place of just hearing and obeying in our lives. So Lord, I, I, I just pray specifically right now for each of us that you captivate our attention right now. If there's something specific you're, you're, you've been telling us, we've been missing, something that we've been seeking you on and, and you've been giving the answer but we just don't want to hear it for some reason or we're kind of tuning it out that we'd hear it right now maybe something that you've already given us direction in but we just need that, reaff- that reaffirmation that it's from you so that we can move forward we know you're the one that's going to move the mountain but we got to pick up that shovel <laughs> and it won't be by our, our power and might it'll be by your spirit to the shouts of grace, grace. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for just loving us so well and being such a good father that leads us into all things good. In Jesus' name,